Chapter Three, Part Two of the Deluge, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. The Deluge, Volume Two by Heinrich Schenkewitz. Translated by Jeremiah Curtin. Chapter Three, Part Two. The next day was Sunday. Lutheran ministers held services in the trenches, and the guns were silent. Miller again inquired if the fathers had had enough. They answered that they could endure more. Meanwhile, the damage in the cloister was examined and found to be considerable. People were killed, and the wall was shaken here and there. The most formidable gun was a gigantic culverin standing on the north. It had broken the wall to such a degree torn out so many stones and bricks that the besieged could foresee that should the fire continue two days longer a considerable part of the wall would give way a breach such as the culverine could make could not be filled with beams or earth the prior foresaw with an eye full of sorrow the ruin which he could not prevent monday the attack was begun anew and the gigantic gun widened the breach various mishaps met the swedes however about dusk that day a swedish gunner killed on the spot miller's sister's son whom the general loved as though he had been his own and intended to leave him all that he had beginning with his name and military reputation and ending with his fortune but the heart of the old warrior blazed up with hatred all the more from this loss the wall at the northern bastion was so broken that preparations were made in the night for a hand-to-hand -hand assault that the infantry might approach the fortress with less danger miller commanded to throw up in the darkness a whole series of small redoubts reaching the very slope but the night was clear and white light from the snow betrayed the movements of the enemy the cannons of yasnagora scattered the men occupied in making those parapets formed of fascines fences baskets and timbers at daybreak charnyetsky saw a siege machine which they had already rolled toward the walls but the besieged broke it with cannon fire without difficulty so many men were killed on that occasion that the day might have been called a day of victory for the besieged had it not been for that great gun which shook the wall incessantly with irrestrainable power a thaw came on the following days and such dense mists settled down that the fathers attributed them to the action of evil spirits it was impossible to see either the machines of war the erection of parapets or the work of the siege the swedes came near the very walls of the cloister in the evening charnetsky when the prior was making his usual round of the walls took him by the side and said in a low voice bad revered father our wall will not hold out beyond a day perhaps these fogs will prevent them from firing answered kordetsky and we meanwhile will repair the rents somehow the fogs will not prevent the swedes for that gun once aimed may continue even in darkness the work of destruction but here the ruins are falling and falling in god and the most high lady is our hope true but if we make a sortie even if we were to lose men if they could only spike that dragon of hell just then some form looked dark in the fog and babinich appeared near the speakers i saw that someone was speaking but faces cannot be distinguished three yards away said he good evening revered father but of what is the conversation we are talking of that gun pan charnyetsky advises a sortie these fogs are spread by satan i have commanded an exorcism dear father said pan andrei since that gun has begun to shake the wall i am thinking of it and something keeps coming to my head 
a sortie is of no use but let us go to some room and there i will tell you my plans well said the prior come to my cell soon after they were sitting at a pine table in kordetsky's modest cell charnyetski and the priest were looking carefully into the youthful face of babinich who said a sortie is of no use in this case they will see it and repulse it here one man must do the work how is that asked charnyetski one man must go and burst that cannon with powder and he can do it during such fogs it is best that he go in disguise there are jackets here like those worn by the enemy as it will not be possible to do otherwise he will slip in among the swedes but if at this side of the trench from which the gun is projecting there are no soldiers that will be better still for god's sake what will the man do it is only necessary to put a box of powder into the mouth of the gun with a hanging fuse and a thread to be ignited when the powder explodes the gun devil i wanted to say will burst oh my son what do you say is it little powder that they thrust into it every day and it does not burst kmita laughed and kissed the priest on the sleeve of his habit beloved father there is a great heart in you heroic and holy give peace now answered the prior and holy repeated kmita but you do not understand cannon it is one thing when powder bursts in the butt of the cannon for then it casts forth the ball and the force flies out forward but another if you stop the mouth of a gun with powder and ignite it no cannon can stand such a trial ask pan charnyetski the same thing will take place if you fill the mouth of the cannon with snow and fire it the piece will burst such is the villainous power of powder what will it be when a whole box of it explodes at the mouth ask pan charnyetski that is true these are no secrets for soldiers answered charnyetski you see if this gun is burst continued kmita all the rest are a joke this seems impossible to me said kordetsky for first who will undertake to do it a certain poor fellow said kmita but he is resolute his name is babinich you cried the priest and charnyetsky together i father benefactor i was with you at confession and acknowledged all my deeds in sincerity among them were deeds not worse than the one i am now planning how can you doubt that i will undertake it do you not know me he is a hero a knight above knights cried charnyetsky and seizing kmita by the neck he continued let me kiss you for the wish alone give me your mouth show me another remedy and i will not go said kmita but it seems to me that i shall manage this matter somehow remember that i speak german as if i had been dealing in staves wainscots and wall-plank in danzig that means much for if i am disguised they will not easily discover that i am not of their camp but i think that no one is standing before the mouth of the cannon for it is not safe there and i think that i shall do the work before they can see me Pencharnetsky, what do you think of this asked the prior quickly out of one hundred men one might return from such an undertaking but alduces fortuna juvat fortune favors the bold i have been in hotter places than this said kmita nothing will happen to me for such is my fortune i beloved father and what a difference ere now to exhibit myself and for vain glory i crawled into danger but this undertaking is for the most holy lady even should i have to lay down my head which i do not foresee say yourself could a more praiseworthy death be wished to any man down there in this cause the priest was long silent then said at last 
i should try to restrain you with persuasion with prayers and imploring if you wish to go for mere glory but you are right this is a question affecting the honor of the most holy lady this sacred place the whole country and you my son whether you return safely or win the palm of glory you will gain the supreme happiness salvation against my heart then i say go i do not detain you our prayers the protection of god will go with you in such company i shall go boldly and perish with joy but return soldier of god return safely for you are loved with sincerity here may saint raphael attend you and bring you back cherished son my dear child then i will begin preparations at once said pan andrei joyfully pressing the priest i will dress in swedish fashion with a jacket and wide-legged boots i will fill in the powder and do you father stop the exorcisms for this night fog is needful to the swedes but also to me and do you not wish to confess before starting of course without that i should not go for the devil would have approach to me then begin with confession Charnetsky went out of the cell and Kmita knelt down near the priest and purged himself of his sins Then gladsome as a bird he began to make his preparations An hour or two later in the deep night he knocked again at the prior's cell where pan Charnetsky also was waiting The two scarcely knew pan Andrei so good a sweet had he made himself He had twirled his mustaches to his eyes and brushed them out at the ends He had put his hat on one side of his head and looked precisely like some cavalry officer of noted family as God lives, one would draw a saber at sight of him, said Charnyatsky. Put the light at a distance, said Kmita. I will show you something. When Father Kordetsky had put the light aside quickly, Pan Andrei placed on a table a roll a foot and a half long and as thick as the arm of a sturdy man, sewn up in pitched linen and filled firmly with powder. From one end of it was hanging a long string made of tow steeped in sulphur. Well, said he, when I put this flea bane in the mouth of the cannon and ignite the string, then its belly will burst. Lucifer would burst, cried Pan Charnyatsky, but he remembered that it was better not to mention the name of the foul one, and he slapped his own mouth. But how will you set fire to the string? asked Kordetsky. In that lies the whole danger, for I must strike fire. I have good flint, dry tinder, and steel of the best, but there will be a noise, and they may notice something. The string, I hope, will not quench, for it will hang at the beard of the gun, and it will be hard to see it, especially as it will hide itself quickly in burning. But they may pursue me, and I cannot flee straight toward the cloister. Why not? asked the priest. For the explosion would kill me. The moment I see the spark on the string, I must jump aside with all the strength in my legs, and when I have run about fifty yards, must fall to the ground under the entrenchment. After the explosion, I shall rush toward the cloister my god my god how many dangers said the prior raising his eyes to heaven beloved father so sure am i of returning that even emotion does not touch me which on an occasion like this ought to seize me this is nothing farewell and pray the lord god to give me luck only conduct me to the gate how is that do you want to go now asked charnyatsky am i to wait till daylight or till the fog rises is not my head dear to me but pan andrei did not go that night for just as they came to the gate darkness as if out of spite began to grow light some movement too was heard around the great siege gun 
Next morning the besieged were convinced that the gun was transferred to another place. The Swedes had received apparently some report of a great weakness in the wall a little beyond the bend near the southern bastion, and they determined to direct missiles to that spot. Maybe, too, the prior was not a stranger to the affair, for the day before they had seen old Kashtua, Constantia, going out of the cloister. She was employed chiefly when there was need of giving false reports to the Swedes. Be that as it may, it was a mistake on their part, for the besieged could now repair in the old place the wall so greatly shaken, and to make a new breach a number of days would be needed. The nights were clear in succession, the days full of uproar. The Swedes fired with terrible energy. The spirit of doubt began again to fly over the fortress. Among the besieged were nobles who wished to surrender. Some of the monks, too, had lost heart. The opposition gained strength and importance. The prior made head against it with unrestrained energy, but his health began to give way. Meanwhile came reinforcements to the Swedes and supplies from Krakow, especially terrible explosive missiles in the form of iron cylinders filled with powder and lead. These caused more terror than damage to the besieged. Kamita, from the time that he had conceived the plan of bursting the siege gun, secreted himself in the fortress. He looked every day at the roll with heart-sickness. On reflection he made it still larger, so that it was almost an ell long and as thick as a bootleg. In the evening he cast greedy looks toward the gun, then examined the sky like an astrologer. But the bright moon, shining on the snow continually, baffled his plan. All at once a thaw came, clouds covered the horizon, and the night was dark, so dark that even strain your eyes, you could see nothing. Pan Andrei fell into such humor as if someone had given him the steed of the sultan, and midnight had barely sounded when he stood before Charnyetsky in his cavalry dress, the roll under his arm. "'I am going,' said he. "'Wait, I will speak to the prior.' "'That is well. Kiss me, Pan Pyotr, and go for the prior.' Charnyetsky kissed him with feeling and turned away. He had hardly gone thirty steps when Kordetsky stood before him in white. He had guessed that Kamita was going and had come there to bless him. Babinich is ready. He is only waiting for your reverence. I hurry, I hurry, answered the priest. O mother of God, save him and aid him. After a while, both were standing at the opening where Charnyetsky left Kamita, but there was no trace of him. He has gone, said the prior in amazement. He has gone, repeated Charnyetsky. But the traitor, said the prior with emotion, I intended to put this little scapular on his neck. Both ceased to speak. There was silence around, and as the darkness was dense, there was firing from neither side. On a sudden, Charnetsky whispered eagerly, "'As God is dear to me, he is not even trying to go in silence. Do you hear steps crushing the snow?' "'Most holy lady, guard thy servant,' said the prior. Both listened carefully for a time, till the brisk steps and the noise on the snow had ceased. "'Do you know, your reverence, at moments I think that he will succeed, and I fear nothing for him.' The strange man went as if he were going to an inn to drink a glass of liquor. What courage he has in him! Either he will lay down his head untimely, or he will be hetman. Hm! If I did not know him as a servant of Mary, I should think that he has. God give him success! God grant it to him! For such another cavalier there is not in the Commonwealth. It is so dark, so dark, said Kordetsky. But they are on their guard since the night of your sortie. He might come upon a whole rank before he could see it. I do not think so. 
the infantry are watching that i know and watch carefully but they are in the entrenchment not before the muzzles of their own cannon if they do not hear the steps he can easily push under the entrenchment and then the height of it alone will cover him oof here charnetsky puffed and ceased speaking for his heart began to beat like a hammer from expectation and alarm and breath failed him kordetsky made the sign of the cross in the darkness a third person stood near the two. This was Amoyski. "'What is the matter?' asked he. "'Babinich has gone to blow up the siege gun.' "'How is that? What is that?' He took a roll of powder, cord, and flint, and went. Zamoyski pressed his head between his hands. "'Jesus, Mary! Jesus, Mary! All alone?' "'All alone.' "'Who let him go? That's an impossible deed.' "'Aye.' for the might of god all things are possible even his safe return said kordetsky zamoyski was silent charnetsky began to pant from emotion let us pray said the prior all three knelt down and began to pray but anxiety raised the hair on the heads of both knights a quarter of an hour passed half an hour an hour as long as a lifetime there will be nothing now said charnetsky sighing deeply all at once in the distance a gigantic column of flame burst forth and a roar as if all the thunders of heaven had been hurled to the earth it shook the walls the church and the cloister he has burst it he has burst it shouted charnetsky new explosions interrupted further speech of his kordetsky threw himself on his knees and raising his hands cried to heaven most holy mother guardian patroness bring him back safely a noise was made on the walls the garrison not knowing what had happened seized their arms the monks rushed from their cells no one was sleeping even women sprang forth questions and answers crossed one another like lightnings what has happened an assault the swedish gun has burst cried one of the cannoneers a miracle a miracle the largest gun is burst the great one where is the prior on the wall he is praying he did this babinich burst the gun cried charnyatsky babinich babinich praise to the most holy lady they will harm us no longer at the same time sounds of confusion rose from the swedish camp in all the trenches fires began to shine an increasing uproar was heard by the light of the fires masses of soldiers were seen moving in various directions without order trumpets sounded drums rolled continually to the walls came shouts in which alarm and amazement were heard kordetsky continued kneeling on the wall at last the night began to grow pale but babinich came not to the fortress end of chapter three part two